broadcasting from the Dudley DeBosier Studios. Anytime, anywhere, smartphone, tune in radio app, we are WRKN. 1061 Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening, and welcome to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca Vitatis, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, by Rhino Shield Mid-South, Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by LifeGate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and the Kenner Star. And a very pleasant good Friday evening. Ken Trahan on assignment this evening. I'm Monty Van Gilder, pinch hitting for Ken tonight. Ken will be back with you tomorrow for his usual Saturday post with the three tailgaters along with Ed Daniels. That comes your way, of course, tomorrow from 10 to noon here on Nash Icon 1061. A lot to get to this evening. Of course, a lot going on. First of all, this is our first Friday without the original since August. High school football season, of course, ending last weekend. Our congratulations once again to four area champions, uh, three from the River Parishes, St. Charles Catholic, Lutcher, Destrahan, all taking home state titles for St. Charles Catholic, their second in a row. Uh, for Lutcher, their ninth in school history. And then, of course, here in the more immediate area, congratulations to John Curtis Christian uh, collecting their 28th state championship trophy, the most in LHSAA history uh, with that win. And, of course, you heard all of those four state championship games right here on Nash Icon 106.1. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU will join us a bit later in the show. A lot to get to when it comes to Saints and Pelicans, and I know Fletcher loves to talk about that. But, uh, you know, the holiday season is upon us. We're nine days away from Christmas. You know, things typically will slow down a little bit at this point. Maybe not entirely. There's still things going on. Of course, the NFL season is... You know, still in full swing, four weeks to go, although not much really left for the Saints to play for at this point. NBA season is into full swing. A lot more fun to talk about on that front, even though a tough loss for the Pelicans last night. But there's still a lot of activity on the college front as well, even though we're 15 days away from the college football uh, playoff semifinals and... uh, you know, it's you're getting into bowl game season. That started actually today. You know, the Bahamas Bowl was earlier today. Miami of Ohio and UAB. The Cure Bowl uh, just completed a few minutes ago. Troy with a win over UTSA in a matchup of uh, champions of Sun Belt and Conference USA. So Troy getting their 12th win of the year. UTSA is one of six teams moving from Conference USA over to the American Athletic Conference next year. So something for Tulane fans to watch there. But yeah, we talk about it being maybe a bit of a quiet time, whether it's 
you know, in our in our communities or wherever. Certainly, there's holiday parties to go to and the like. But you know, this is part of the reason that way back when the bowl games were founded. You know, you go back to the 30s and the Sugar Bowl with the what was then known as the Midwinter Sports Association was founded and you know got got the Sugar Bowl started. Um, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sun Bowl, all of those games getting started in the 30s. Of course, the granddaddy of them all was the Rose Bowl that goes back over a hundred years. And what did it do? It drove economic impact within these communities, whether it was New Orleans or Miami or Dallas or El Paso, or of course, you know, the Rose Bowl in, in, in Pasadena. And, you know, back in 2001, for much of that reason, and, you know, a, a lot of your bowl games happened, what, between Christmas and New Year's. You had a couple that fell before Christmas. Well, now you look at the calendar, and when there's 40 bowl games out there, they start today, and pretty much they'll be going on almost every day uh, between now and uh, and New Year's Day, or actually January 2nd. And, uh, and then you'll take a little break, and we'll get ready for the college football playoff national championship game on January the 9th. But you know, a couple of reasons the New Orleans Bowl was founded 22 years ago. One, the Sun Belt we mentioned was looking for a they were starting football looking for a place to put their champion uh to be able to play in a game and the greater new orleans sports foundation saw a need uh you know to work with the sun belt on that to try to create an event that would take place here in the city before christmas again maybe a slow travel time people are getting ready for the holidays you're not necessarily looking to travel a lot at that point of year but you know, still, it's uh, you know that that was part of the uh, you know the reason for the New Orleans Bulls creation, and the Sun Belt has remained a part of that. We've seen you know some things change along the way, but for the most part, it's been Sun Belt Conference USA here for the last few years. Typically, we'd have seen that game get played tomorrow on Saturday. That's where it's kind of become a fixture on the calendar for the most part. Oh, since about 2011 or so, I believe it's kind of at that. You know, that first Saturday of the bowl season is where it's kind of fallen on the calendar. Now, this year, and more and more, I should add, the NFL has really kind of uh, kind of put their thumbprint on the schedule this time of year. They're not worried about what else is out there. They're going to do what it is they can do. And, of course, there's an NFL triple header tomorrow. Uh, some great games headlined uh, at night by Miami Buffalo and what could be played in a snowstorm. But the way they've done it the last couple of years on this weekend is they've taken five games and they've kind of put them in a in a bit of a flex situation and said, okay, we're either going to play these games on Saturday at one of our given times or we'll slide them back to Sunday. Well, one of those five games was the Saints-Falcons game this weekend. And, of course, with the seasons that the Saints and the Falcons are having, they chose to put that game on Sunday at noon in a regional spot instead of in a national spot. and But as a result, that didn't happen until a week ago Monday. So as a result, the New Orleans Bowl couldn't take their usual Saturday spot on the calendar because there was the possibility that Saints-Falcons would end up on Saturday. Thus, they ended up in the middle of the week. And you'll notice every year, right once when the NFL schedule is set, right after that is usually when the bowls, the rest of the bowl schedule falls into place because you know what it is the NFL is going to do, what times they want to take, what's available, what stadiums are available, certainly most importantly as you deal with here where you're dealing with, you know, you've got the New Orleans Bowl and the Sugar Bowl both being played in the Dome, and of course the Saints have home games as well. So it's all, it's all a big juggling act as, you know, much of it is ESPN trying to work 
with these bowl games and a lot of them ESPN owns themselves to put all of this schedule together. So as a result, we'll see the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl Wednesday night in the Caesar Superdome. South Alabama and Western Kentucky this year, first time for both of those teams. Those teams will arrive in town this weekend. So you'll start to see maybe a little bit of red even once uh, the Falcons leave town on Sunday as a result of that. So um you know, we'll we'll see the Jaguars, we'll see the Hilltoppers in here for the first time. And look, it's good from a South Alabama perspective. They're just a little over two hours away from New Orleans. The first time they've been, I would think they will, uh, you know, they will travel pretty well and, and bring some people in here. They had a 10-win season. And certainly, they're excited about you know what has gone on with their program. And uh, look, we'll learn more about the about those two teams media day on Monday, and uh, as we you know count down to kickoff. On Wednesday night, so a, a lot, uh, a lot to take in there. Uh, we mentioned again the bowl game starting today. It was UAB winning that game over Miami of Ohio. By the way, went down to the wire, and uh, Troy with a nice comeback today to beat UTSA, 18 to 12. Some other news on the on the college front. One of the things, and I know uh, I know Eric and Glenn Gilbo touched on this just a bit ago. Uh, the NCA has issued a waiver now to allow players with four games played to play in their bowl games and not lose a year of eligibility. Normally, if you play more than four games, you lose a year of eligibility. If you play four or less, it can count as a redshirt year. And I think that's a good move for a number of reasons. You see so many opt-outs this time of year. Look at what happened a year ago with LSU going into their bowl game against Kansas State in the the Texas Bowl. You had, obviously, a turnover in a coaching staff, uh, an interim staff getting put together, trying to get a team through the game. You had opt-outs. You had people going in the portal. Uh, It was a mess, and by the the time it was all said and done, I believe LSU had, what, less than 40 scholarship players available to play that game. You had John Trey Kirkland, who had been playing – defensive back and wide receiver his entire career starting a quarterback for LSU and that was a position he played at Lutcher we talked about Lutcher state championship he actually led Lutcher to two state titles as a quarterback but he hadn't played quarterback at LSU well guess what suddenly he was playing quarterback at LSU in a bowl game and and look you could say what you know say what you will about you know what these bowl games mean they're going to mean different things to different teams and at the end of the day they are important on a number of fronts. They're important to these schools to get those extra practices, you know, to, to, to try to finish their season strong, to give their kids a reward, you know, to be able to go, you know, go to a site and, you know, enjoy a few days and, and, and play one more game. And of course, as we mentioned, they're important to the city, the, you know, the, the impact uh, on the economy that that will have. And, so it's good that they happen. Obviously, as the college football playoff expands in a couple of years to 12 teams, we'll see exactly how that lays out. Ideally, the Sugar Bowl will be you know, kind of a permanent part of that as either a quarterfinal or a semifinal, but obviously still you know, an important part of what's going on. Will it change the structure? Will you see teams come in a week early and spend time and you know, do all the things they would do in, in that I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case going forward. Maybe they only come in, I don't know, two days early. Uh, and that, you know, that will have a little bit of an impact in terms of, you know, the economy. But you know what? If it's a game, you, you see what's happened here since the CFP has started. The games where the Allstate Sugar Bowl has hosted one of the two semifinals are obviously 
a significant uptick from an audience and from an attendance standpoint than when it's just Big 12 against SEC. Nothing against that because obviously you're getting the best remaining teams from each of those leagues. And this year, of course, it's Alabama, number five, Kansas State, the Big 12 champion at number nine. So you've got two top 10 teams coming in here. But of course, it's going to, when if a situation that we are now evolving to, and it's a long time coming to where we get a playoff now for the Sugar Bowl to be in every year, huge. That, 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 that is a very big deal, and ideally it's going to stay that way. There's been some talk about, oh, do you keep quarterfinal games on campus and just play semifinals in the bowls? Ideally, you settle on your six bowls, much like you had done before, where it was two of them are semifinals and four of them are you know, the New Year's six bowl games. Ideally, it's still six bowls, four of them are quarterfinal games, two of them are semifinal games, and then you play uh, your national championship game uh, at possibly one of those sites, but it's, uh, you know, in all likelihood, if it, would, it would not be a semifinal site. It would be a quarterfinal site that perhaps would host. It. It's a separate operation with the college football. Yeah. We mentioned, uh, opt out some news out of Alabama. Young and Will Anderson are going to play in the All-State Sugar Bowl. It would have been real easy, you know, with, uh, with their stock and, and certainly – uh, where they can go and you know in the NFL draft to say you know what we're done we'll just uh, we'll watch we'll support our teammates but but we're not going to play but I think this means a lot to Alabama uh, you know they probably feel like hey we were one of the four best teams in the country maybe we should have been in a playoff we're not going to mail it in we're going to come out here uh, spend a week in New Orleans uh, and do everything we can to uh, you know to you know, put on our put on a best showing, and that starts with having you know arguably your two best players playing in the game, and uh, so that's that's certainly you know interesting news to to hear that the, that that will be the case. You know, one of the other things in, in terms of the SEC, there are multiple reports today that movement is afoot to allow Texas and Oklahoma to exit the Big Twelve one year early and to join the SEC as soon as 2024 which, I mean, there's a lot of aspects in terms of what may go on with that, uh, you know, how that impacts existing TV contracts. And, but I, look, I think it's good. These deals have been in place since 2021. I understand they're, you know, what they what they call grant of rights are basically contracts in terms of, you know, whether, you know, whether teams can leave conferences uh, before a certain time. You're, you're agreeing to stay with it, but how much how much good is really being done to have a lame duck sitting out there for four years as it were so indeed if texas and oklahoma are headed towards uh the sec a year early now obviously that's going to put some pressure on the sec to uh uh readjust some schedules and we've only seen up until this point you know uh always seen this possibility of what may happen the big 12 has held continued to hold off on releasing even a 2023 schedule for their schools where I think everybody else, all the other major conferences have announced what their schedules are going to be at this point, but the big 12 continues to hold off. And clearly that may have some, that may be part of the reason why, uh, supposedly if this is going to happen, it would need to be done by the end of the year, uh, by December 31st. Of course, you can always extend things. If you're like anything else, if you're, you're closing in on an agreement, then, uh, ideally, uh, then you would see you know some kind of extension put to that and allow it to uh, you know, allow it to take place uh, down the road. 
So um, we'll see a story to follow here, certainly, over the next few weeks, since that will impact a lot of things, certainly uh, not not the least of which is LSU and who they may be playing because, you know, what are, what are schedules going to look like in the SEC going forward? And that's something else that hasn't been determined. What is going to be the format of a conference schedule in the SEC? Of course, uh, we mentioned LSU there continuing their preparations for the Citrus Bowl, Tulane continuing its preparations for the Cotton Bowl, both of those games to be played on January 2nd. A lot going on, as we mentioned, Saints-Pelicans. Fletcher Mackle from WGSU will join us on the other side as we get into uh, what is going on with New Orleans pro football team, with New Orleans pro basketball team, heading seemingly in opposite directions at this point. But a lot to discuss, and Fletcher is never one to have a shortage of opinions. 504-260-1061 if you'd like to join in the conversation this evening. It's all access for a Friday night here on Nash Icon 1061 FM. And at NashFM1061.com, I'm Money Van Gilder, in for Ken Trahan. More of our show, we come back right after this. I'm Ken Trahan. And I'm Jude Young. We'll have comprehensive coverage of high school, college, and the pros, plus we give you a voice to speak your mind. It's entertainment, it's information, it's all that you could want, and it's right here on 1061 Nash Icon. Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 p.m., following Inside New Orleans on 1061 Nash Icon. Country for life. Demand different. Demand Dudley DeBosier. Imagine this. You've been hurt in a car crash, but the insurance company only offers you pennies on the dollar for what you need for your injuries. You realize you should have called a lawyer, but how can you afford one now? At Dudley DeBosier, that call is free, and we are the only law firm in the state with the no-fee guarantee. That means you pay us nothing, no fees, no costs, or expenses unless we get you money. That's the Dudley DeBosier difference. Call 504-444-4444. Chad Dudley, New Orleans. LA 22-13578. Cavender's Christmas Countdown Sale is going on now, and we've got the best selection of boots around. Save up to 30 bucks on men's and ladies' exotic boots, or save up to 20 bucks on popular ladies' booties from Corral and Circle G. Get 15 bucks off hard-working work boots from Double H, Durango, Justin, Tony Lama, or Twisted X. And kids' boots are now 10% off. There's something for everyone on your list. So hurry in and save during the Christmas countdown sale at Cavenders. So I switched to Boost Mobile and got this free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Why do you think they call it the Galaxy? Maybe because the Samsung Galaxy A23 has a huge screen, and galaxies are huge gravitationally bound systems of stars rotating around a supermassive black hole. And the phone is free? When you switch to Boost Mobile. Cool. You lost me at Gravitationally Bound. Switch to Boost and get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Excludes tax. One device offer per line. Only available on certain networks. 5G not available everywhere. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. But not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. Now's the time. What's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and all access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. 
1061. Love for you to join in the conversation. Uh, kind of ran the gamut there on what's going on in the world of uh, in the world of college sports. Of course, Saints Falcons Sunday at noon in the dome. We didn't know that would be the case until 11 days ago, as we mentioned. Uh, could have been Saturday, and uh, the NFL chose to put this game in a regional spot of the of the five games they could flex. This is the only one that ends up getting a regional uh, broadcast position, and uh, understandably so when you're dealing with a four and nine team and a five and eight team. Here to talk a little Saints, a little Pelicans, and whatever else is on his mind, because we let him do that. Is our friend from WDSU TV, Fletcher Mackle. Fletch, good to have you with us for the. For the second time, I guess here on Nash Icon this evening, you you we may have you may have your own show coming up at seven. I'm not sure. So I was going to say thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Lenny. All right, let's uh, let's start Saints Falcons here, since obviously that's uh, you know going to draw allegedly seventy thousand people into the dome on Sunday. <laughs> uh, final injury report uh, today: Zach Bond is out, PJ Williams is out. So you got people out, and you've got a bunch of questionables: JT Gray, Jawan Johnson. Marshawn Lattimore, when we finally see him, who knows? Adam Troutman, Peyton Turner, Dwayne Washington, all questionable. This is probably, coming off of the bye, the best shape that the Saints have been in from an injury perspective here in quite a while. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, we haven't seen Lattimore after the the lacerated kidney, and, and Pete Warner's been banged up, and he was obviously playing, you know, breakout season this year before the injury. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Yeah, you're right. This is what you want to see, but I still don't know what version of the New Orleans Saints we're going to see. I think Dennis Allen said it, and I've used this term a lot. There's a great team in there somewhere, but I don't know where they are or when they're coming out to play, so to say. So, uh, again, that, that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see which team shows up. The team that leads the league in false start penalties, the team that, you know, the, the offense hasn't looked bad, but it's certainly when it matters, hasn't played its best. And the defense, look, I give the defense a lot of credit. I thought they did, <coughs> excuse me, a really good job against Tom Brady until the final three minutes. So are they going to be even better, and it's going to look like the unit that we saw when they were good the last few years, or is it going to be a unit that comes out and, I hate to say this, lays an egg against a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start, leading a team that's 1-5 in five on the road this year. So I just don't know. That's that, to me, is the story of the 2022 season, the roller coaster ride that is the New Orleans Saints. Look great against the Raiders. Look terrible against, you know, the Steelers. Look really good one week, really bad the next. Really consistent, like they've got it on track, and then awfully inconsistent. So I just don't know at this point. We're this deep into the season, and to me, that's what they are, an inconsistent kind of group. No doubt about it. Look, this is not a situation we've seen the Saints in. You know, with four games left in the season, since what, probably the Katrina year, I guess, nothing to play for and four games to go. What are we going to learn about this team in the final four games of 2022? Yeah, you could see there's 1% sitting out there, okay, whatever. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is. There's nothing to play for, okay? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, look, they would need the miracle of miracles in the football world to get into the playoffs. I mean, they'd need three teams to collapse, and they'd have to close with a stretch that we haven't seen them put together in several seasons, which I just don't know if, if that's possible. So I, I think that's the biggest takeaway. You know, someone asked me earlier, does Dennis Allen have to win all these games to save his job? No. 
But I also don't think Dennis Allen is 100% safe. I want to see a team that fights until the bitter end in this season, that doesn't give up, that doesn't punt. Look, I always say this. We have a really well-educated football fan base in southeast Louisiana, and they will know when a team has quit, or you see a team that certainly is more engaged than the New Orleans Saints. That wasn't the case in Tampa. The Saints, that was as heartbreaking of a loss as I can remember, but the Saints did quit. They had tremendous fight in that game. If they fight down the stretch in every single game and in, in battle the entire way, that to me will tell me a lot about where this franchise is. That they, the players haven't quit on Dennis Allen, that they still believe and they're still committed and they're still listening to his teaching and motivated by him and they're still in it. Uh, that's what I want to see in these four games down the stretch. I don't care if they go one and three or three and one. I just want to see a team that is engaged in fights and is in every game that you know is committed to being here and being part of this. Not a team that thinks our head coach is getting fired. Is Sean Payton coming back? Am I going to be here? What's going on? And that has basically punted on the final month of the season. Yeah, it's a, that's all all good points. It'll be interesting to see just how they play. It's probably coming out of the bye, and we'll see just exactly what it is. Let's go back to Tampa for a minute since you brought that up. I know I did a piece at Crescent City Sports kind of – not ranking, but at least listing the most gut-wrenching losses in Saints franchise history. Uh, and I, I guess I probably had about 12 or 13 on there, and I don't have to rattle them off. Saints fans know what they are from from Big Ben on down the line to what we saw uh, a week ago Monday night. Let's leave the playoff games out because they almost have to go in a separate category. The San Francisco game 10 years ago uh, and then the three in a row where you lose on the last play of the game. Okay, Those are in a separate category. Where does this rank? Where, where does Tampa rank in terms of the the most gut wrenching regular season losses in Saints history? Where would you put it? I mean, I would put it up there, and I'm sure. And I hate to say this, I got a little busy this week, um, and so I, uh, I and you know, I love nothing more like when you did the the fantastic like the best numbers in in like Louisiana sports history, and when you do some of those like historical deep dives those are some of my favorite columns so i i'm going to be like googling or going to your site you know at crescent city sports right after this to read that because i would have found it fascinating um you ranking them i just first blush you asking me and not researching this i would probably put it there with the, the river city relay so to say the you know the jacksonville game when john you know they they they, they got the game you know, the crazy lateral, kind of like the Cal Stanford play at the end of the game with Jerome Payton and Deuce and Aaron Brooks. And then Carney misses the extra point to send it to overtime. So that's kind of where I guess I would put that one in the regular yeah, season. And you, and, and, you know what's, and you know what's interesting? I didn't put that game on the list. I, I understand really? the, you know, where, where but the, if I remember right, that was one of those late season games where. Other, I, I'm not sure what kind of, you know, the Saints had like an outside chance maybe to get in at that point, but it was, you know, it was one of those things where I said, you know what, you know, that there were, you know, the, there were some others that went higher on the list to me. I mean, you know. Well, let me and, say this. I yeah. remember, I remember like the Denver game a few years ago when, you oh, know. Oh, the, 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 the two-point the two uh, right. run back on the block kick. No, right. absolutely. Was, and that's another was, one. 
Yeah, that's right. another one I did not put on there. You're right. That's another one that's because uh, that was that a backbreaker for the. I mean, that was they were right in the thick of it, and that was mm-hmm. one of those games that that ended up hurting them that season. And and our photographer at WDSU, Alvin Moore, had a. I mean, he was right on the sideline, and that was one of those the white shoes on the white line, was he in or was he out type of things. But yeah. those two just jump out at me like in recent memory. Which other ones, I'm curious, did you have on there, like regular season yeah. heartbreak? Mo- most of them are older. I mean, no, look, those three in a row to the Falcons in 78 and 79, uh, for those fans, would certainly go way back. And then you go to that 79 season, I you know, that, that Monday night football loss to the Raiders was just... Uh, you know, gunt wrenching, and then and then the following year to go to San Francisco when you're zero and thirteen and lead thirty five seven and half, and then the world gets introduced to Joe Montana if they didn't know who he was already, and uh, you know, and he proceeds to lead a comeback, you know, the greatest regular season comeback still to this day in NFL history to win that game in overtime. So you know, I guess you know, I guess maybe I'm showing my age by going back to some of those those. <laughs> Those seem to still stick out more, you know. I, I guess they made it. They made an impression on me at a, you know, in, in my younger days. Like, oh man, it's like, you know, that's. And I think that's why, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, and obviously you you do a lot of work with, uh, you know, with Jim Moore. It's like, you know, that that you know, obviously outside of the Super Bowl, I think Saints fans would tell you that 1987 season. If you were ranking the seasons in history, they might put 87 second because of the 20 years that they had dealt with with no, no winning seasons in there, no playoff appearances, and then finally, you know, everything everything you know fell together in that 87 season to win you know nine games in a row and make the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, no, you're right. And so, um, look, I would agree with you, and that's why I always find like your columns fascinating. And you know, I. I message you sometimes going, hey, what about this? Um, so, again, I, just kind of getting back to your original question of the heartbreak. You know, obviously you throw playoff games in there, San Francisco and Minnesota. Those, like you said, are in a class by themselves. But I can't remember uh, a regular season game is gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. And also, I mean, think about this. For what that meant for the same season, I, I get it. It's a bad division. It's, it's, a, it's an embarrassingly bad division. But somebody's going to win it and host a playoff game. And I, look, I go back to that beast mode, that beast quake game. I was there in Seattle covering it. That, that Seattle team probably didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. They, they played the Rams in the last week of the season. One of the teams is going to finish 7-9, and nine, win the division, and host a playoff game. The Saints are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're a wild card team. They've got to go out there. So if the Saints, and the Saints lost that playoff game out in mm-hmm. Seattle. So to me... You know, if the Saints would have beaten the Bucks, it would have been a dogfight down to the final game between the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Falcons, and even the Panthers to see who gets in. And the Saints could have ended up hosting a team like the Cowboys in the playoffs, and who knows what could happen. And, and so that's why I think not just the way it happened, but what it meant. I would probably rank it. Again, I was four years old, you know, when you referenced, you know, a 79 or 78, whatever it was. So my memory... Of I don't have memories of that other than like reading about it, right. but I would say this one just not only the way it happened sixteen to three with you know late in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter with you know three minutes to play when when they got that touchdown, but just what it meant for this season and it was such a backbreaker for them. I would have to put that one up there if it's not yeah. number one regular season heartbreaks. Right. It's got to be in the top three. Right. Last thought before we move off of that, the one game that I compared it to and. 
you would have been a, 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 probably old enough to remember this one is what I think it was was it 89 against the Rams the the Flipper Anderson game where the yeah. Saints led 17 to 3 much like this had had a two touchdown lead late gave up two touchdowns the game went to overtime and the Rams won the game in overtime but it was it was very very similar I thought and that they had just you know other than Flipper getting some yards they had stifled the Rams offense for three and a half quarters and all of a sudden Jim Everett who threw for I think about 470 in that game and 330 of it went in the direction of Flipper. That is still an NFL record, by the way. We talk about the yeah, NFL no, records that set one, against the Saints that still stand. That's one of them, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that one. I was old enough to remember that one. I guess in 89, I was like 15 that season. So I do remember 14 or 15, so I remember that far more vividly than some of the ones you just referenced from the late 70s. Right. All right, let's get, let's get back to this week. Of course, uh, one of the things that happened over the course of the week, Saints claiming Eno Benjamin on waivers uh, from the Houston Texans. Obviously, uh, you know, we know Mark Ingram's situation now. Uh, Dwayne Washington's been he's listed as questionable, but he's been ill all week, didn't practice again today. And I would think he might, you know, while they say he's questionable, maybe he's because of that, maybe he's more on the side of not being active on Sunday. I don't want to speculate, certainly. But how much do we see of a guy like Benjamin who just walked into the building uh, two days ago? I mean, nobody's expecting like a Baker Mayfield type performance. But but how much? But how much do you see of Benjamin on Sunday? Do you think? Look, I, look. Earlier this year, David Johnson showed up and he had you know a small package of plays and actually got some touches in his first game. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility where they are in the season. A veteran player who's been playing. Um, Obviously, Lovey Smith's comments weren't endearing to him when he left Houston, but I certainly think if the Saints are thin and he's up and active, look, he doesn't know the playbook, but I cert- like it was like Baker Mayfield last week. I mean, he got there and in, in played the, the toughest position in the league and was able to operate the offense at least in a way that could function and then lead them you know, down the field for a game-winning score. I certainly think you could see a package of plays or a handful of plays if he's active. And uh, so I certainly think him playing is a real possibility. Okay, before I do want to talk Pelicans, if you can hang with me one more yeah. segment here. But one yeah. last Saints question. In your mind, what happens these last four games? And then what happens in the weeks following these last four games in your <laughs> mind? All right, I, think, I don't think they're going to go three and one. I think they're going to end up probably going two and two. Um, and, and, and obviously it's going to be a letdown of a season. And I think Dennis Allen survives. I don't think Sean Tayton comes back. I get all the rumors, reports, and innuendo. I certainly think it's fascinating. But I think that the, they regroup in the offseason by restructuring the coaching staff. And the continuity thing didn't work. So now I think this will be, hey, we want Dennis to have a chance, and we're going to make this more of his team than kind of the, you know, the carryover Sean Tayton team, so to say. But I think they finished two and two. I think they show enough fight that Dennis is safe, and uh, and I think Sean probably ends up coaching the Chargers next year. Could be, which would mean a six and eleven season. But we haven't seen yeah. haven't seen a double digit loss season since Katrina. The only way the Saints avoid that is by running the table. So we'll see what happens there. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU, our guest here on All Access. He'll stay with us. I know he loves to talk Pelicans. We'll get into that when we come back. 504-260-1061. If you'd like to join in the conversation, Lenny Van Gilder, pinch hitting for Ken Trahan on this Friday night. Ken will be back with you tomorrow. More of All Access when we return right after this. 
So I switched to Boost Mobile and got this free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Why do you think they call it the Galaxy? Maybe because the Samsung Galaxy A23 has a huge screen, and galaxies are huge gravitationally bound systems of stars rotating around a supermassive black hole. And the phone is free? When you switch to Boost Mobile. Cool. You lost me at gravitationally bound. Switch to Boost and get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Excludes tax. One device offer per line. Only available on certain networks. 5G not available everywhere. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. It's Macy's one day sale with great deals of the day. Just in time for the holidays. Like 60 to 65% off Effie Fine Jewelry. 60 to 65% off coats the whole family will love. And get 20 to 60% off Toys R Us favorites from Barbie, Paw Patrol, Discovery, and more. Plus, everyone gets $10 in Macy's money for every $50 spent. Going on now at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Tis the season for big savings on HP Tech at Staples. This week, save $100 on an HP Smart Tank 7301 refillable printer. The HP Smart Tank makes printing worry-free with up to two years of HP Original Ink included. From black and white docs to color prints, this wireless printer allows ultimate flexibility for busy families. And now save even more when you bundle an HP printer, PC, and monitor. The latest tech solutions are at Staples, the working and learning store. Offer good in-store and online. Ends 1217. This report is sponsored by Vicks NyQuil Severe. When cold symptoms keep you up, try Vicks NyQuil Severe. Just one dose starts working fast to relieve nine of your worst cold and flu symptoms to help take you from nine to none. NyQuil Severe, the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, sore throat, best sleep with a cold medicine. Use as directed. This is Josh Danzig with Where You At Magazine for 1061 Nash Icon. Fans of BMX action, on Saturday, head to Mardi Gras World for the Red Bull Circle of Balance, featuring Louisiana native Terry Adams in exciting BMX action. And get your tickets now for Saturday night with a flock of seagulls at the House of Blues, singing all of their hits from the 1980s. For more ideas on what to do this holiday season, pick up Wariat's new winter restaurant guide at restaurants, bars, and grocery stores all over town or read it now at whereyat.com. Cumulus New Orleans, incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital. This is where you get all access, not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 106.1 Nash Icon, through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Ken out on assignment tonight. Lenny Van Gilder pinch hitting here this evening. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU, our guest. Before we get into the Pelicans, Fletch, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Ponchatula for Anthony, I believe it is. Anthony, go ahead. Uh, you had a question yeah. for Fletcher. Yes, I did. Uh, thank you, Lenny. I uh, wanted to ask, you know, I went to been to a couple of games, the Pelicans games, and 
You know, I was just wondering if, if you guys thought, you know, the arena, I saw on the um, on the billboard, on the, the plaque there, that it was built in 1999. And with as much excitement as the Pelicans have this season and, and championship aspirations, it just doesn't seem like a championship venue to me. And, uh, you know, I, I was wondering if you guys would agree and if you may know, Fletcher, if there's plans to upgrade it, you know, kind of like the Superdome and, and, and get it, you know, up to snuff. I haven't been around the league to any arenas, but I, I just imagine we would rank uh, in the lower end. And um, big fan, I'll take you guys' comments off the air. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Fletch, you lead off with that one, and I'll give you my thoughts after. Um, so, look, I do think eventually they're going to need a new arena. I don't think it's in the foreseeable future right now. Um, and I also don't think that it's the worst arena or subpar. Look, I went to Portland a few years ago when that playoff series happened against the Pelicans and the Trailblazers. The Moda Center was built, like, in 92. Um, I think that arena is fine compared to the other ones that were built of the same time period. That's the, the Thunders Arena in Oklahoma City, the AT&T Center in San Antonio. I think there's probably seven to ten buildings that were built in that late 90s, early 2000s range that all fall into the same category, and that's where the Smoothie King Center is. It certainly isn't the new, the new building in San Francisco or the new building in Milwaukee, which are breathtaking and spectacular. It's certainly not the Barclays Center, which is about ten years old. So those are a different category of stadium. I do think eventually... You know, they're probably, I think the deal is up here in 2024, the, the lease agreement, but they have a five-year option that they will pick up and roll into 29, and somewhere between 2025 and 2029, maybe when the league expands, you know, the city, the state, the Pelicans can work on either a completely renovated Smoothie King Center where it is, a new building where it is, or my dream would be a, a, a riverfront stadium with that riverfront development that they keep talking about and have an extension of the convention center with hotels, apartments, and arena. But I don't think it's happening, and I don't think the league is putting pressure, from what I've been told, on the, on the team. They don't look at it as some antiquated subpar building. I think they've got about 10 buildings, 7 to 10 buildings, that fall in to the same category of, hey, in the next 10 years, you're probably going to have to talk about it. But right now, we're not looking at you saying you have a substandard building. No, I, I, I agree. I think something will eventually come down the line. Just keep this in mind when the building was built in the 90s, okay? First of all, you didn't have an NBA team. Of course, the, the Hornets didn't come here till 2002. You know, you built the building and then they, they came to paraphrase uh, Field of Dreams, all right? But you also built it in a way to share the resources of the dome. That's why you have that big old pipe that goes uh, across the, uh, what is that, I guess, Gerard Street back there where you, you know, you fly over air conditioning and other, uh, you know, other uh, amenities from the uh, from the dome to draw on those resources rather than have to redo everything again. So you're you're sharing uh, some things in, in in that regard. So it was done in a way to make it more of an efficient building. Now I don't I don't disagree that uh, you know maybe something along the riverfront would be an interesting concept. You see it done in in so many other places, and we've really not done a lot of that here, where you start building facilities. 
uh, with with great views. Of course, there's no need for a view inside the dome because it's, uh, you know, you're walking inside and you're staying inside. And when you come up, you know, look, it's, uh, but if you if you did put it a little bit closer to where some of the you know the downtown hotels are and things like that, if you could you could find that space, maybe you know maybe use the space next to the convention center, that would be intriguing. So that leads us right into uh, you know talking about the Pelicans. Uh, this stretch, you know, I remember seeing when I saw the schedule come out, Fletcher, and you 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 know you're you're probably of of all the you know, the broadcasters in town maybe pay more attention to what goes on with the Pelicans than anyone else. When I saw this stretch of the schedule, I thought, first of all, a five-game stretch where you're only playing two teams, Phoenix and Utah, was extremely intriguing, not to mention the fact that, you know, Phoenix has been very good, and Utah's always a tough place to win. And then you cap that on the back end with a visit from Milwaukee on Monday night. This was, in terms of like a half dozen games on the schedule, I thought this was... A very intriguing stretch just to see, you know, what this team was about pre-Christmas, to, to see exactly uh, what they were going to be. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with you. And and look, Utah, we talk about matchups. I remember that matchup in 2018. You know, Portland was not matched up well with, with New Orleans because New Orleans could deploy Drew Holiday on Lillard and suffocate him. They didn't have anybody that was athletic in the front court as Anthony Davis and Miritich. Utah is a team that gives New Orleans problems, that when New Orleans goes small with Larry Nance, you know, the Jazz can go super big with their rookie Kessler and with Olenek and with Markinen. And I remember being at that first game, and it was a matchup problem for them. And, and obviously it's been a matchup problem in these two games. I thought that the game on Tuesday, the Pelicans hit the wall. The game on Thursday last night, I was hoping they would, they, would, they would figure things out, and they did, but they still couldn't get past them. I just think it's difficult now because I looked at this stretch and said, you know, specifically not the games against Phoenix, but this road trip, two against Utah, Phoenix, and then back against Milwaukee. I thought split against Utah, split against Phoenix and Milwaukee because Milwaukee's got guys that can make Zion work maybe more than anybody else with Giannis and Lopez, length and athleticism in the paint. That's going to be a struggle for Zion. Now you kind of put more pressure on yourself by dropping both against Utah. Can they get the game against Phoenix and Milwaukee? Maybe, but you know now maybe a one and three in in a tough four game stretch is looking more likely. Well, and again, you keep in mind you had the two wins over Phoenix last weekend. So I would think if you throw those six games under an umbrella and you get out of there three and three, I think you got to sure. feel pretty good what happens. Now, you you go under the microscope and you look back at at last night's game. And look, I you know, I basketball and baseball are a lot alike in in this regard because of the long season. There are going to be maybe three or four games that you're going to win that in all reality you probably shouldn't have won. And there's going to be three or four games that you lose that you probably shouldn't have lost. Would last night's game go into that latter category is that's not one that the Pelicans should have let get away with the, the lead they had late in regulation and just the way it all shook out. Sure. And, and, and again, I think there's games, look, you went back to the, they won ugly against Detroit, not a good team. And, and a few weeks ago, it was part of the winning streak. And it's like, look, you know, winning ugly is part of it. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to look back and put asterisks next to the wins and the losses and say, oh, you won pretty, you won ugly. It's just you won or you lost. End of story. And I do think that's probably one 
at the end of the season that same with the Lakers game, you know, when, when Matt Ryan gets that shot up, you know, inconceivably, that's one that I think they'll look back on and say, man, oh man, we'd like to have had that one back. That could have been, you know, should have been a win for us. Well, as you look at the standings in the West with uh, the Grizzlies just blowing the doors off of Milwaukee last night, that I'm not surprised the Grizzlies won. I was surprised at the final margin of 40-plus in that one. The Grizzlies are now first in the West. The Pelicans a game back. Uh, the Nuggets a half game behind them. And look, it's it's tight. The top eight right now, you know, through the first, oh, let's call it 30 games of the season. Grizzlies and Pelicans have played 28. Nuggets 27. You've got teams like the Clippers who have played as many. The Jazz have played 31. So let's just call it 30. So you're closing in on, you know, maybe the 40% mark of the season at this point. The top eight teams are separated by three and a half games. So really you know, one bad stretch over a couple of weeks and you could go, you know, way down. You know, one good stretch and you could climb way up. Uh, so there's a long way to go. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint by any means. Uh, talk. We were talking about the arena. We've seen some great crowds in there already. We got the news, what, yesterday that Monday night is already a sellout. This is a Monday night game. And, yeah, granted, everybody's not yet completely off for Christmas. But still, the news that that's a sellout. Do you think fans are embracing success because this Pelicans team is winning, or do you think they're looking for something else with the struggles of the Saints? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think a little bit of both, but I think more of the 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 first than the second. I think more because last year the Pelicans lit the like the spark, so to say, and and it's burning now. And and you've got a winning product out there with players that are likable, that like New Orleans, that want to be here, that are all in. Zion is fun to watch in, in doing historic things. So And they're good, and people want to support a winning team. Now, again, if the Saints were good, you know, that may pull away from them a little bit right now. And the fact that the Saints aren't good and, and interest is waning certainly helps the team that is good. But I still want to believe, in, and I don't want to over-romanticize it, that I think that there's actual interest in a winning Pelicans team with elite players. And, and so, yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both, but more – the Pelicans are good, then the Saints are bad. Okay. New Orleans 18-10 and 10 on the year right now, again, with that two-game losing streak, the two losses at Utah this week. Tomorrow night at Phoenix, Monday night back at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. Is a healthy Pelicans team, and again, we really haven't seen 100% yet. I mean, you've been dealing with, you know, Brandon Ingram in his toe now for several games we've had now. We've got Jose Alvarado out. Her, her Jones just comes back. It seems like it's always something, but is a healthy Pelicans team, as it stands now, good enough to win the West? And if your answer is no, what do you think? What do you think is the missing piece to the puzzle? My answer is yes, but they need a lot to break their way. Like Trey Murphy's ice cold right now. The last few games that can't happen. That's been to be one of the reasons, you know, why they've struggled. He's shooting the ball from three, and and he has been cold. And look, shooters go in slumps. He's in a little bit of a slump. T.J. McCollum was in a little bit of a slump. I think they're good enough to win the West if everything breaks their way, as is right now. I certainly think they could use a little bit more shooting. If they went and got a stretch big like Kelly Olynyk, that would make me feel a little bit better because I certainly think there's moments where, you know, a good friend of mine, Schmidt Duo, who, who, uh, who is a contributor for WDSU, 
um, breaks a lot of the games down, and I think he does a fantastic job with the analytics. And he, he pointed out that when teams go small, it's mostly to put shooters on the floor. Like when, when Golden State would go small with Draymond at center, it's because they really want to highlight their shooting and play fast. When the Pelicans put Larry out there, it doesn't enhance their shooting, you know, and they're going away from playing in the paint. And so I think that they could certainly use another maybe stretch big shooter um, and that would be the one thing that I would say they, if, if they facilitate a trade, maybe it is somebody to help enhance their shooting because that to me is the one thing where they could they could add and and I, look they got two mid range guys that are great and CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram that can also hit threes but to me that's one of the big things this year that you know when they've struggled it's I looked at that Boston game Boston to me is the best team in basketball there's nobody in the same league as Boston right now. Boston gets hot, and the Pelicans didn't have anybody that could counter them in that game when they had 11 threes in the first half. They made it a game, but they just didn't have enough to get over the hump. So as, as, as you, you ask the question, as they are right now, the Pelicans can win the West. I absolutely positively believe that. But they need everything to break their way, and they can't have anybody in a slump in a Western Conference final series against Memphis or Phoenix or, or anybody else that comes up, Denver, um, but I think one more trade would make me feel better and, and kind of flesh out the roster a little bit more. And give you a chance to go play with the trade machine again, which I know sure. you love to do. And look, season. go check out go check out Fletcher on Twitter. I'm sure sometime between now and the end of the weekend we'll get some kind of a we'll get some kind of trade machine uh you know <laughs> results coming out there where uh, where he can fulfill uh you know his his wish to uh swap places for a day with David Griffin i'm sure he would love that opportunity Fletch, yeah. we love the time as always love your insight uh of course tune in to WDSU for you know all your all your sports all weekend five six ten four the mornings the weekends uh, <laughs> catch it all uh, i'm you know Fletcher and his team will have it all. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. No, thank you, Lenny. Anytime. I appreciate it. All right. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU, our guest. We'll be back to wrap it up on All Access on this Friday night. We come back right after this. I'm Ken Trahan. And I'm Scott Craig. I love me some Francesca's by Katie's Deli and Catering. We thank all who have sustained us through the pandemic and into better times. You can build your own specialty sandwiches. Build your own special St. Louis-style pizzas as well. Don't forget the special salads, including the Chef Scott's special salad. And our frips are special and unique. Francesca's is the home of Ken Trahan's original prep football report Friday nights during the football season. And we love all area schools and teams. Come on by. Francesca's by Katie's Deli and Catering, 515 Harrison Avenue in Lakeview. Open Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Visit FrancescaDeli.com. So I switched to Boost Mobile and got this free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Why do you think they call it the Galaxy? Maybe because the Samsung Galaxy A23 has a huge screen, and galaxies are huge gravitationally bound systems of stars rotating around a supermassive black hole. And the phone is free? When you switch to Boost Mobile. Cool. You lost me at gravitationally bound. Switch to Boost and get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Excludes tax. One device offer per line. Only available on certain networks. 5G not available everywhere. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. Ring in the new year with the 89th Allstate Sugar Bowl. 
Since 1935, the Sugar Bowl has been a New Orleans New Year's tradition. And this year, the best of the SEC and Big 12 will square off on New Year's Eve in the Caesars Superdome. So kick off your New Year's celebration with a college football masterpiece. For tickets, visit AllStateSugarBowl.org and download the free Sugar Bowl mobile app. The Allstate Sugar Bowl is presented by Allstate, the Louisiana Office of Tourism, and Taco Bell. This report is sponsored by Macy's Backstage. Find great deals on gifts for everyone on your list, like cool toys, matching pajama sets, beauty essentials, designer handbags, cozy sweaters, and more. Get low prices every day on fab finds at Macy's Backstage. Off price, on trend, arriving daily. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon, at NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. One segment left here on this Friday night, Lenny Van Gilder pinch hitting for Ken Trahan. Ken will be back tomorrow morning, 10 to noon, with Ed Daniels for his regular Saturday morning three tailgaters show. And then, uh, of course, back next week as well as uh, close in on uh, on a new year. And uh, a lot still to go in uh, Louisiana sports until then. Encourage you to check out CrescentCitySports.com. As always, some uh, some good content there. Uh, interesting story from, uh, from our own Roe Brown uh, talking about Tulane's recruiting and uh, – Resecuring a commitment from Booker T. Washington running back Arnold Barnes, who was committed, then flipped to Nebraska and then flipped back to Tulane. So uh, certainly good news. We, are, By the way, we are five days away from uh, the start of the early signing period uh, in college football. And uh, that's going to be interesting. You know, we talked at the beginning about Western Kentucky, South Alabama, and the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl on Wednesday. Those guys are going to have busy days. That's an 8 o'clock at night kickoff. You're starting to sign, guys. I believe it's at 7 o'clock in the morning. So it's going to be a long day for those coaches because they don't they don't get a break necessarily on uh, on what goes on. Those, those signings are still happening, and you've got to get that paperwork in and make those final contacts and make sure uh, you know everything is uh, – those dies, uh, I's are getting dotted, T's are getting crossed, and uh, those signings that you expect to happen are indeed – happening. They still got the later period coming up um you know in February, but more and more it's been about all these three days rather than these guys have their minds made up, can get it done and in a lot of cases, they will enroll in January, uh, you know, at the, at their schools. You'll see, you know, both LSU Tulane and a lot of other places, you will see some of these players enrolled in January so they can participate in spring practice. And that's uh, that's certainly something to watch for um so as we get ready to wrap things up here on a friday night um want to mention college basketball as well of course there's action uh tomorrow you've got uh you've got both lsu and tulane in action tomorrow lsu is at home uh tomorrow evening tulane is up in chicago playing a second straight neutral site game in an nba building they played at the state farm arena much as lsu did Last Saturday, Tulane beating Buffalo. Uh, Tulane has George Mason tomorrow in a, a day-long event that is going on uh, at the United Center in Chicago. 
Uh, I believe LSU is Winthrop tomorrow night. And uh, look, we're closing in on the start of conference play there. You know, a lot of conferences have kind of crept up. Some have even started and gotten in a couple of games pre-Christmas, both Tulane and LSU start conference play uh, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. So non-conference play just about done, and we get on to the conference schedule. Our thanks to uh, Rudy Dixon this evening for all his assistance. Once again, Ken will be back with you uh, tomorrow at 10, and again next week. Uh, Tomorrow at 10, of course, joined by Ed Daniels for the three tailgaters. So until then, when you have uh, all the best in sports conversation going on on a Saturday morning, there's no better place to be. I'm Lenny Van Gilder. We will see you down the road. Uh, Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to 